Good morning, good people. My name is Nicole Donnell, and I am your host of the Black Girl Budget Podcast. The Black Girl Budget Podcast has an international audience with listeners from Australia, France, South Africa, Papua New Guinea, Barbados, and United Arab Emirates, to name a few. Welcome to Season 3, which is all about the financial tools we need to budget for today and tomorrow. If you're just joining us in Season 3, we've had amazing collaborations and discussions about high-yield savings accounts, vacations, therapy, and credit card rewards. Check out episodes from Season 1 and 2 where we discuss how to prioritize your goals, budgeting with kids, black girl luxury, and so much more. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when a new episode drops. Today, we're discussing another financial tool that will help us on our financial journey, IRAs. Believe it or not, a lot of people assume we only talk about budgeting, but investing is a part of the budget. (laughs) It should be another line item in your budget, just like your groceries, because we're budgeting for today and tomorrow. Now, there are seven different kinds of IRAs, but today we are going to discuss two of the most common for the sake of time and just because they're the most common. (laughs) So we have the traditional IRA and the Roth IRA. What recently blew my mind is if you ask anyone, they'll tell you that IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account. I happened to be doing some research and I was on the IRS website not too long ago and the IRS literally says IRA stands for Individual Retirement Arrangements. Insert mind exploding emoji. (laughs) Does it really matter what IRA stands for? No, but if any of you are on a game show and the question pops up and you win a million dollars, just shoot your girl a couple of dollars, (laughs) whether it's an individual retirement account or an individual retirement arrangement. The meaning is all in the name. These are investment vehicles for retirement. So let's jump right in. How did IRAs come about? Um, I'm not going to say that I'm a history buff, but I find history interesting, right? So I'm going to give y'all some historical reference for IRAs. In 1974, Congress passed the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. That's a really long name. The Employee Retirement Income Security Act, aka ERISA. That created the Individual Retirement Arrangement slash Individual Retirement Account. One major goal for this IRA was to provide a tax advantage retirement plan to employees of businesses that were unable to provide a pension plan. Now, remember, pensions were all the rage during that time. So so pensions were very common. But if your employer did not offer a pension, like how were you preparing for retirement? Because savings accounts are not are not investment vehicles for retirement. Keep that in mind. So so we have ERISA that creates the IRA. Now, over the years, various acts create new types of IRAs. For example, in 1978, we got the Simplified Employee Pension IRA, a.k.a. the SCP IRA. In 1986, there was the spousal IRA. In 1996, we got the simple IRA. And in 1997, we see the Roth IRA. Now, Senator William Victor Roth Jr. was a Republican senator for Delaware. And in the late 1980s, Senator Roth and Senator Bob Packwood of Oregon introduced a new type of IRA, the IRA Plus. Instead of offering tax breaks on money that is contributed into the IRA, like a traditional IRA account, the IRA Plus would allow tax-free withdrawals in retirement. 
At first, this idea did not get a lot of support. And in 1995, Senator Packwood resigned for allegations of sexual misconduct. And wouldn't you know it, two years later, the Taxpayer Relief Act of 1997 was passed and the new IRA was named the Roth IRA in honor of Senator William Victor Roth Jr. So again, if y'all are on a game show, you win a million dollars because Black Girl Budget has given y'all some tidbits of information, just just slide me a couple dollars. Doesn't have to be anything big, but you know, just hit me up. <laughs> so, so how do these accounts work? First, let me say this. Do not be intimidated because you just heard a bunch of acronyms. IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account. That's it. You, we're no longer intimidated by IRAs because we know what they stand for, what they mean. D- don't be scared of acronyms. Just, if anything, Google them. But for both traditional and Roth IRAs, these are retirement accounts that allow you to save money for retirement. We should all be thinking about retirement. Like, that's the time. Let me rephrase because I, I was about to spew something that is no longer acceptable. Retirement is really the time where you can live right, on your retirement income from your investment accounts without having to work. Now, a lot of people still want to work in retirement. That's okay. A lot of people just want to retire from a specific job and start a new one. That's fine, too. But we should all be thinking about retirement because we need money to sustain our lifestyle in retirement. And IRAs are one kind of vehicle to uh, get us there. Now, the key word is individual because you can open these kind of accounts without your employer. A lot of us also have 401ks through our employer, but your IRA, you can get it through a number of financial institutions that aren't your employer. These accounts also have tax advantages to them as well. So keep in mind, how do they work? They're retirement accounts. You put money in them, you invest, they grow. That's the basis of it, right? So what's the difference between a Roth and a traditional IRA? The major difference between the two, and there are several differences, but the major difference between the two is that with a traditional IRA, you contribute pre-tax money into your account. The money grows tax deferred, and when you withdraw the money, it is taxed as income. With a Roth IRA, you contribute after-tax money, the money grows tax-free, and you can typically make tax-free withdrawals after age 59 and a half. So let's walk through an example because I love an example. And I, I feel like when I talk to people about retirement, they're like, oh, my gosh, that's a lot of information. I don't really know what you're talking about. Today is a day where you're going to walk away and be like, I know exactly what you're talking about. OK, so here's our example. And, and we're going to walk through this example, but we're focusing on how IRA contributions work. So please don't leave a comment or hit me up and be like, Oh my gosh, you didn't include social security benefits and blah. We're not, we're not focused on that. We're literally just talking about IRA contributions. So let's say we get paid. Our check is $3,000 and we want to contribute $500 into our IRA. If we have a traditional IRA, before we receive our check in our hand or in our direct deposit, The $500 contribution will be taken out of our check and put into our traditional IRA. That $500 has not been taxed. So we will get $2,500 in our account. Once the money is invested, it will grow tax deferred, meaning you will be taxed later. 
and that later is when you withdraw the money after age 59 and a half in retirement. Now, let's say you have a Roth IRA. Our check is still going to be $3,000. We will receive $3,000 in our account. Our entire paycheck has been taxed and it has made it into our checking account. We will then take $500 and contribute it into our Roth IRA. Once the money is invested, it will grow tax-free, meaning we will not pay any more taxes on this money when we withdraw it because we paid taxes on it before we put money in the Roth IRA. So here's how I like to think about it. If money touches my hand or my account from my employer, it has been taxed. Before the money touches my hand or hits my account, it has not been taxed. That's how I keep it in my mind. So what you really want to keep in mind is if you have a traditional IRA, before before you ever even see your check, they're taking that money out and putting it into your traditional IRA before Uncle Sam gets his cut, right? So let's say if we were to factor in taxes, right? Our check is $3,000. We have a traditional IRA. $500 goes into our traditional IRA, and then $2,500 will be taxed, and then money will come to us. That's really how this is going to work. But I'm not focused too much on the tax part right now because I just want us to understand the major difference is when money is going to be taxed on your contributions. So for Roth, your the money is already taxed before you even put it in your Roth. For a traditional, the money will be taxed in retirement once you withdraw it. That's like the simplest form that I can put that in. <laughs> so, so the differences between the two are not very complicated to understand, right? It's just all about when you're going to be getting taxed. Now, another difference between the two is with the traditional IRA, like we said earlier, before the money even hits your account, that $500 is taken out and put into your traditional IRA. One reason that people like the traditional IRA is because there's a tax advantage there, right? So let's say you're making $3,000, but 500 comes out to go into your traditional IRA. The government will tax you on $2,500. So, so your income goes down, right? It decreases. Instead of saying, oh, I made $3,000 this month, you actually made $2,500 because $500, you didn't even see. It went straight into your traditional IRA account. And that's why you get the tax advantage now of saying, I didn't make $3,000, I made $2,500, right? So you'll be taxed on a lower income. But when you pull the money out, when you withdraw it in retirement, you will then be taxed on that money. Now, for your Roth IRA account, it's going to work opposite, right? So the money has already been taxed. You put it into your Roth. When you withdraw money in retirement, there are no more taxes because you've already paid. I personally like that about the Roth because once I'm in retirement, I want to know exactly how much money I got. Like, I don't want to think I got a gajillion and then y'all tax me and I got $10. So that's one of the things that I like about a Roth. But those are like some of the major distinctions between the two. So if you're trying to decide if you should get one or the other, ask yourself, do I want to pay taxes now or later? And actually, there's a lot more that goes into deciding which account you want because each account has its own tax implications. So you got to ask yourself more than that. <laughs> now, who can get one? Almost anyone. You just have to have an earned income and be under the age of 70 and a half. For traditional IRAs, there are no income restrictions. 
But for Roth IRAs for 2022, because this changes from year to year, your modified adjusted gross income must be under $144,000 if you're single. And if you're married and filing jointly, it must be under $214,000. Now, why would you get one? I feel like I've gotten this question a few times, like, girl, why do I even need an IRA, whether, whether it's traditional or Roth? Just why do I need one? Definitely to prepare for retirement. That's what these are for. That's what we need them for. The girls are preparing for retirement. It's the newest sexy thing to do. So even if you have a 401k at work, you can still have an IRA because remember, these are not connected to our employer. We can get them from any financial institution. I personally think everyone should have an IRA because they offer multiple investment options, which you don't necessarily get with the 401k, right? Some of the options are a little more limited. They also have major tax advantages, which we've discussed a little bit earlier. And there are penalty-free withdrawals with exceptions, asterisk right there. They're easy to open and they're also easy to access. So when I say you can get one from any financial institution, I mean literally Google Best IRAs 2022 and you'll see IRAs are available with Vanguard, E-Trade, Alley Invest, Fidelity, SoFi, Betterment, Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, and so on. Like you can literally... I can literally throw a rock and hit 10 of them. Like they're very easy to get and easy to access. And so the question is really, I'm putting this money into this account. Like when can I withdraw the money from retirement? And when I say withdraw the money, I mean withdraw it to live on. So you're withdrawing contributions as well as the earnings that you have gotten over time. For the Roth, you can withdraw money as early as 59 and a half as long as your account has been open for at least five years. For the traditional IRA, you can withdraw as early as 59 and a half and you are required to start taking distributions at age 72. Roth IRAs do not have this rule, so just keep that in mind. If you're trying to decide which one should I get, there are some differences between the two, so definitely do your Googles and your researches Tax implications are going to be the most important when deciding this question. I personally got a Roth. It was just more appealing to me. So I got a Roth. But I'm not suggesting that you go out and get a Roth. Like Roth works for me, but traditional might work for you. I don't know. There are so many things that go into it. So just make sure that you are doing your due diligence and trying to figure out what works best for you. Now, here's some things that I want everyone to remember when it comes to IRAs. Just because you're between the ages of 20 and 40 does not mean that you shouldn't be preparing for retirement. In fact, if you're between 30 and 40, I'm going to need you to start investing ASAP because investments thrive off of time. The more time, the more time your money has to grow. So invest as early as you can and invest as much as you can. And speaking of as much... Also, remember that for the year 2022, because this is also something that changes from year to year, the maximum contribution that you can make into a traditional or a Roth IRA is $6,000. Is that a whole lot of money? No. Relatively speaking, though, yes, because originally you could only invest up to $1,500 in your IRA, but that was like back in the 70s. So anyway, just make sure that you know you can only invest up to $6,000 into your traditional and or Roth IRA, um, and that money is still going to grow. So this is this is a good investment vehicle in conjunction with your 
401k or in conjunction with some other investments that you have because $6,000 isn't a whole lot. It can still grow and it's certainly better than nothing. Another thing to remember is just because you put money into your IRA account does not mean that you've invested your money. This is a common misconception. You have to actually choose a specific stock, bond, mutual fund, etc. that you're going to invest your money in. And trust me, you will know when the money is invested because you are going to have to go through a couple of steps to actually purchase your investment, to purchase that stock or that bond, whatever it is. And your heart will be racing, especially the first time you do it. You're like, oh my gosh, is this really what I want to do? So make sure that you are actually investing your money and not just putting money into your account and leaving it in your account. Remember, an IRA is just an account that you use to invest with. It is not an actual investment. You have to go out and buy the investments, which you can do through whichever broker's firm that you use or whichever financial institution that you use. Another thing I want you all to remember is that not all countries have IRAs, and this is important because we have an international audience. So not all countries have IRAs, but some countries have things that are similar to IRAs. The UK has individual savings accounts. Canada has the Registered Retirement Savings Plan and Tax-Free Savings Accounts. And some other countries have a sort of tiered system and or they also have like social funds. So make sure you're up to date on the kind of retirement vehicles that are available to you in your specific country. And make sure you're also aware of the tax implications of those investments as well. So I can't get too deep into IRAs. Typically, when people ask me about them, um, they follow up with, what should I be investing in? And that's a very hard question for me to answer because I can't really tell you what to invest in. Um, I mean, I can tell you what I'm investing in. So I don't tell people what to invest in, but I will be providing more information in the future about how to decide what to invest in, what to look for when you're investing, and when to actually make the decision to invest. Like those are good questions to ask. And there's general information to know when you're going into investing. So I'm not going to tell you all what to invest in, but I just wanted to let you all know that IRAs are really good tools for us to have in our financial repertoire. Is that the word I want? Anyway, it's a really good tool for us to have because these are really good tax advantage vehicles. They're also very easy to access and they're easy to use once you get used to it. So definitely consider getting an IRA. We're going to put that right in, in season three with, with our other tools. So make sure you have your high yield savings account. We talked about that last week. Make sure you also have your IRA. They're going to be really good tools for you when it comes to retirement and investing. Now, let's move into new business. I'm still thinking about changing the name of this segment, but for now, I like calling it new business. I'm adding this segment because I've been getting really good questions and comments from you all, but I know the responses can benefit all of us. So I'll be responding to questions on the podcast. You can submit questions for the podcast through the Black Girl Budget website at blackgirlbudget.com. If there's any upcoming news for Black Girl Budget, I'll also add it to the segment as well. And speaking of upcoming news, Let's just go ahead and give it up because the podcast is almost at 20,000 downloads. Woo! Thank you all so much for listening to the podcast 
and sharing the podcast. And so many of you have shared how the podcast has helped you with your perspective on finances. And I love that for you. I do. And so we also officially have an Amazon storefront. I wanted to tell y'all last week, but y'all know the newsletter subscribers get information first. So just remember the Amazon storefront is commission-based. I'm still adding my favorite items to the list. And I'm adding things that you all have asked me about before or commented on because a lot of you are like, where did you get that toy for your dog? Where did you get that thing that you're cooking with? So I'm trying to add all of my favorite things and the favorite things that you all love. Um, for now, the list that I have up on the Amazon storefront are for the kitchen, your dog, books, lifestyle, and home decor. So go check it out and make sure that if you purchase anything, that your purchases are within budget. Now, let's move on to this message I got from someone on Instagram. I want to share it with you all because I just thought it was, I thought it was really cool, but I also thought it was important for us to just have some commentary on this real quick. (laughs) So this person reached out to me and they said, Nikki, thank you so much for the info and inspiration you are sharing on your podcast. I've been budgeting for two years. However, it just doesn't work for me. I keep overspending. I keep losing control. Then on Wednesday, after listening to several episodes from your podcast, I had an epiphany. I can do budgeting, rules, restrictions, planning, making it look neat and pretty and so on, but I never really had the courage to realize how my emotions and spending are related. I've somehow felt above that, but budgeting doesn't work if my spending habits are out of control. I have never been honest with myself like this before and the same night I heard your podcast episode that it all starts with an awakening if you ever feel like talking about emotional spending and how to break the bad cycle I will be listening first of all thank you for listening to the podcast I'm so happy you had your awakening because it can be challenging to stick to your financial journey when you haven't had that epiphany just yet When it comes to the emotional spending, though, this is literally a whole episode in and of itself. And I actually did bring a therapist on episode four of this season. Uh, We had Candace Garth of Kaleidos Counseling, and we discussed emotional spending. So definitely check out that episode. I'll also add that emotional spending ranges, but this is very common. So don't feel like you're alone in this scenario. And honestly, we tend to think emotional spending only happens when we are feeling negative emotions, but emotional spending also happens when we're in a really good mood. Like raise your hand if you've been in a really good mood because you've gotten good news or you just feel good and you were like, yeah, it's time to go shopping. Y'all can't see me, but both of my hands are raised. So so just remember that emotional spending is not just a negative emotion response, right? Like we can have positive good emotions and our response be emotional spending. So you just have to remember that just because you're doing it while you're happy doesn't mean that it's, you know, a good thing. Like you could still be overspending while you're happily spending money. So um recognizing that you're emotional that you are emotionally spending money is a good first step to creating Um, I believe Candace called them healthy coping mechanisms, and we need those to stay on track with our goals. So definitely check out uh, episode four of this season because Candace does touch on healthy coping mechanisms and emotional spending. And if you are if you are emotionally spending, like 
it can be devastating to your financial goals. So definitely check that out. But like I said, I'm not going to get too deep into it because that's a whole episode in and of itself. And I think it's a really good topic. So I will be bringing that in uh, an episode. I don't know if it'll make it into this season, but we will be talking about emotional emotional spending at some point. So you guys, last episode, I um, asked you all to donate to Feed Buffalo. Um, don't forget to donate to Feed Buffalo. They are helping the Maston Park community in Buffalo that was affected by the recent shooting there. This community is in a food desert and now that that grocery store is closed down, they have one less option for accessible and low cost healthy food. So Donate to Feed Buffalo. They are trying to help that community by providing non-perishable hot meals and food deliveries. Lastly, the podcast is now available on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you know when new episodes are available. Join me next week when we discuss another tool that everyone needs to know about, trade lines. And as always, happy budgeting. I'll talk to you guys next week.